Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning, those who have been able to gather in person for worship this morning, as well as those of you who are tuning in at home. Let's come before God in prayer uh, before we look at his word this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have this opportunity to gather together, um, to learn from your word, to be encouraged by our fellowship with one another. And we thank you for the technology that allows those who can't be with us for various reasons today uh, to gather and join with us uh, virtually online. We ask, Lord, that as we open your word, that you will open our ears, our hearts, to hear from you today. By your spirit, we ask you to move amongst us. Thank you for your work in us and through us, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's, we've made it through our first full week of January, and I'm wondering how many of you had any chores to do this week? Anyone have any chores? Well, some people had no hands up. I can hardly believe that's true. Some are raising them extra high. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Today we're going to look at a story that Jesus told that took place in a vineyard. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, again, to remind ourselves the significance of the story in the vineyard. Um, a little later, but this story has to do with chores. Now, I've already asked if some people had chores. If you're a mom or a dad here today, did you have to ask any children to do chores this week? Maybe even remind them more than once? Yeah. Children, were any of you asked to do any chores this week? Yeah. You know, chores are a part of life. We, there's stuff that needs doing, and we've got to do it, right? Sometimes we feel like it's all just chores, chores, chores. We all have chores to do. And probably some are a little easier to do than others, or some we enjoy a little more than others. But we all have some chores that are our least favorite. Am I right? Yes? Okay, so we're going to just talk briefly about a few chores this morning. And I want to see your hands go up high if this is a chore you really don't like to do. Okay? What about sweeping floors? Anybody really not like to sweep the floor? Yeah? <laughs> okay, what about emptying the garbage can or even taking it out to the street? Is that anybody's least favorite? Don't like that one? It's got to get done though, doesn't it? <laughs> what about doing the laundry? I don't like anything to do with the laundry. I'm always very grateful that Pastor Peter looks after that in our house. Um, loading or emptying the dishwasher. What about that one? Is anybody's least favorite chore? <laughs> It's a bit tedious, isn't it? You're taking them all out, knowing they're all going to have to go back in again later on. Feeding your animals. Maybe you have pets or you live on a farm and there's chores to do with feeding the animals. Oh, wow. Some hands went up really quickly there. <laughs> um, what else? Setting the table. Anybody not like that one? Yeah, you get asked to do that and it's not your favorite. What about washing the dishes? Oh, wow. Yeah. Not favorites. <laughs> Vacuuming. Some of you were waiting. Some of you were just waiting. When's vacuuming coming? <laughs> what about shoveling the snow? Now, is anybody here like me who absolutely loves to shovel snow? Yes, that's a good chore. I love it when I have to shovel snow. Um, and making your bed. Anybody not like to make your own bed? 
Yeah, again, it's kind of like loading the dishwasher. You're going to get in it again later on, right? I know, some of these, you just really have to work hard at making sure you get to getting them done. Well, today we're going to look at a story that Jesus told that involved a father asking his sons to go and do their work in the vineyard, which is why we've taken a little bit of time to talk about some chores this morning. Um, and so we're going to read uh, a short parable in Matthew chapter 21, and starting to read at verse 28. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking uh, as we read these words. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? Now Jesus told this short parable and he engaged his readers in the beginning. He let them know, what do you think about this? He's gonna, he let them know up front, I'm going to be asking you about this. And at the end, he said to them, which of the two obeyed his father? One son said, nope. Then he changed his mind and went and did what his father asked him to do, his work that day in the vineyard. The other son said, yeah, but never went. So Jesus asked his audience, and I'm asking you this morning, which of the two obeyed his father? Son number one or son number two? Shout out what your answer is. Son number one. You guys are really smart. Jesus asked his first listeners and they had the same answer as you. They replied, the first son obeyed his father. Although originally his answer was no, he later changed his mind and did what his father asked. You see, Jesus here is telling a story and the fact that this story, although it's, there's not a lot of talk about the vineyard, they were asked to go and do their work in the vineyard. And so as a reminder, this sermon series is called Tales from the Vineyard, because as we looked at last week, the vineyard was a, a common thing that everybody in that day and age knew about. And in Israel's history, in the, people, the history of the people of God and in the scriptures, the vineyard was often used as a metaphor to symbolize the people of God in the kingdom of God. God's relationship with his people and how they were supposed to live out their lives on earth. And so, this isn't just a story about doing some chores or even a story about obeying your parents. Because Jesus wants, as soon as his first listeners heard, oh, they're supposed to work in the vineyard. It wouldn't have just been about that sort of common day-to-day -day chores. They would have realized, oh, there's, there's another layer to this story. This story has something to do with teaching us what does it mean to live as God's people in God's kingdom. And so that's what Jesus, why Jesus told this story. Now, we might ask ourselves, it's a little bit of a strange story. Maybe even a parable some of you don't necessarily remember hearing a lot about before. It's not one that happens in every gospel. Some parables of Jesus, every gospel writer told us about it. This one only appears in Matthew. And maybe it's not one you've given much consideration to. It is a strange little story. But Jesus told the story because of some things that he was experiencing on a given day in his life. What prompted Jesus to tell this little story about two sons asked by their father to go and do work in the vineyard that day 
and he got very different responses, both verbally by what they said and different responses in their actions, what they actually followed through and did. What prompted Jesus to tell this story? Well, we look back a few verses. And in verse 23 of this same chapter in Matthew 21, we find that Jesus has gone to the temple to do some teaching. Now, this happens, this, uh, what we're reading about this morning in Matthew chapter 21, happens in Jesus' last week on earth. Um, we call it Holy Week, leading up to Easter. And this likely happened on Tuesday of that week. So this is all happening just a few days before Jesus is crucified. And Jesus had the previous day also been in the temple and done a few things. And when he goes back there this day, likely Tuesday, the first thing when he starts teaching, he gets a challenge from some chief priests and elders that were there. Their challenge is this, and you can see this in chapter 21, verse 23. They say, by what authority are you doing these things? What, what gives you the right to do these things? What, where's your authority come from? To do these things. Now the these things, you'll have to look back a little further into chapter 20 and the beginning of 21. The kinds of things Jesus had been doing that they were concerned about was, and you might remember this story, that Jesus went into the temple and there were a lot of people selling things that were needed for worship. They were changing up money coins and selling animals for sacrifices, but it, they were ripping people off. They were charging too much, and they were impeding people's ability to go and worship, and Jesus cleared the whole place out, turned the tables over, and, and, and kicked them all out of there. He had done that just the day before. He'd also done some healing of sick people that were gathered near the temple, and he'd done some teaching about various kinds of things. And that's the kinds of things that these chief priests and elders are challenging Jesus when they say, where does your authority come from to be able to do this? to tell us how to run the temple, to tell us what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing, to, to heal people, to teach about God and his kingdom. Where does your authority come from? And Jesus doesn't answer their question. This is one of these stories where G when someone asks Jesus a question, he kind of gives them a, not really a straight answer back. But we see that in verse 25, Jesus says, I'm not good. I can't answer your question. I'm not going to answer your question about where my authority comes from. First, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you answer my question, I'll answer yours. And so Jesus says to them, his question to them is, um, you're asking me about where my authority came from. Where do you think John the Baptist's authority came from? From God or from man, from humanity, from himself, his own ideas? Bit of a strange question. Maybe you feel like that kind of came from out of the blue. What's John the Baptist got to do with all of this? Well, that's a good question. Who was John the Baptist? God had sent John the Baptist as a forerunner in order to introduce that Jesus was coming. And the chief priests and the elders, those were people who were very concerned about living the right way for God. Sometimes if you've been around church very long or you grew up in Sunday school, you know when you hear the word Pharisee or chief priests or the religious leaders that we're almost like, oh, they're going to get this wrong. You know, Jesus is going to have to correct them. But it's important for us to see 
to think about for a minute, how did they understand themselves? The chief priests, they were high up in the system. Unlike your church, where there's a pastor or two and some people on staff at any given time, in the temple in Jerusalem, there were hundreds and hundreds of priests. And so there was a bit of a hierarchy. There were some chief priests that they were in charge of deciding what went on in the temple and making sure everything was done properly. And then there were elders, other people who were people like Sadducees and Pharisees who weren't priests, but they saw themselves their, their purpose, their primary purpose in life was making sure that God's laws were being obeyed, that they lived according to the way that God had revealed to them they should live, and that their, their place in the world as God's chosen people, the Israelite nation, that they wanted to make sure they were living up to all that God had called them to do. That's who they were. And when John the Baptist came onto the scene, remember from, you know, when we looked at, at Christmas time about the fact that the last prophet that had been sent by God to the nation Israel was 400 years before Jesus. We can throw that number around and say, oh, that's a long time. But think about that for a moment. That's got to be at least, what, six or seven generations where God had not revealed anything new. God had not sent a new messenger. God had not done anything differently than he had done before. He hadn't challenged them. He hadn't corrected them. And so they had gotten to a place where they had an idea of what it was God wanted them to do, and they were protecting it and doing what they thought was the right way to govern the temple and the people of God. But when God was getting ready to send the Messiah, he had always promised. First, he sent John the Baptist, who was around the same age as Jesus. But he got about his ministry a little, he started before Jesus started his ministry. And John the Baptist was there, sent from God, the scriptures tell us, to prepare the way so that people could hear the message of Jesus. And his message, John the Baptist's message, was repent because the kingdom of God is drawing near. Repent. Now that's a word in church we hear a lot and we, we, we kind of have an idea of what it means. It, and we think it, it often means to recognize your sin or recognize something in your life that you need to change. And that you come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness. And that definitely is part of what repenting means. The word's origins, though, in Greek is a word that is a really good picture for what it means to repent. Because to repent means you were once going this way, and now you turn around and go a different way. You walk away from the things that were leading you away from God and godly living, and you walk toward him. You turn around. And that's what John's ministry was about. So when Jesus is sort of asking this question back to the religious leaders, and he says, you're wondering about my authority. Well, where did John's authority come from to tell people to stop going this way and to start going this way? Because the kingdom of God was near. And John had recognized that the kingdom of God coming near was happening because Jesus was there. We know that because when Jesus came to John to be baptized, John recognized that. And a dove came down from heaven. In this Sunday, this, this particular Sunday in the year, many churches around the world today focus on the fact that Jesus came and John recognized him and spoke aloud about the fact that it, in Jesus' coming, the kingdom was here. So when Jesus asked them about where did they think John's authority to say the things he was saying, to do the things he was doing, came from? Well, these religious leaders had a little bit of a problem. 
In verse 26, we say, we hear it read in chapter 21, verse 26, that they kind of huddled together amongst themselves because they said, how are we going to answer this question? Have you ever had a question posed that you're like, ooh, i got to think about this answer? It's not always an easy question. But this question for these chief priests and elders was a real challenging one because of this. If they said that John the Baptist's ministry of asking people to repent and recognizing Jesus as their Messiah was from God, then they had a problem because they didn't believe it. And they would have to admit, well, we, didn't, we don't believe it. But if it came from God, remember, these are people whose whole lives are about following God. And if we admit it came from God, but we have not been believing that message, we've got a problem. But if we don't say it came from God, if we say it came from man, which is really what they believed, well, we have another problem because the problem was so many people were responding to John's message. People were turning away from decisions and lives that took them away from God. And they were repenting and turning toward God. And they were recognizing Jesus' ministry and following him. So if the chief priests and elders said, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, that's not from God. That's just, that's just authority they're taking upon themselves. Then all of the people who had been responding to this message, this good news, weren't going to be very happy with them. So they're like, we can't really answer either. So they said, uh, we, don't, we don't know. That wasn't an honest answer. They had an opinion. They weren't willing to tell it to Jesus because they knew either way there was going to be a cost to, that, to, to saying what they thought. Well, Jesus knew that. And in verse 27 and 28, we see that Jesus says to them, well, if you're not going to answer my question, if you don't know how to answer my question about John's authority, I, I can't answer your question or I won't answer your question about my authority. But I'm going to tell you a story. And that's where this story that we just read about the two sons came from. You remember when I said at the, in the very beginning, he said, but what do you think about this? And he tells them a story. And at the end, he engages them and says, well, what do you think? Which son was obedient? You know, when Jesus told a lot of parables, some said in a vineyard and some not, Jesus told a lot of parables, but he didn't always explain them. Sometimes he let them just sit there. And people had to wrestle with them. Sometimes he explained them. And in this instance, he did. Immediately after the, the parable, as soon as they replied, the first son, which was the son who said no, but later changed his mind and then went and did what his father asked, that that son was the obedient son. Then Jesus explained his meaning. And he says this, I tell you the truth. Tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. You see, Jesus, even though they didn't answer Jesus' question, Jesus knew. They didn't believe John's ministry. They didn't believe in what was happening there. Even though they had seen what was happening in terms of people's response, they didn't believe it for themselves, and it didn't impact them. And so Jesus tells this story about two sons, a son who heard from the father the request to go and do the work in the vineyard. So this is spiritual meaning here. 
And his first response is no, but later changes his mind. And Jesus says, and when we read this in other places in the New Testament, we'll often hear this reference to tax collectors and prostitutes. And one thing we need to recognize in that is that that doesn't just mean those two groups of people, people who made their money by those two means. Really, those were two representative groups that the religious people of the day saw as the worst kind of sinners, the worst kind of people who were against God's work in their lives. And so we could really read this passage as saying, I'll tell you the truth, the worst kinds of sinners will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Whoa. How might you have felt standing there that day listening to Jesus? For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while the worst kinds of sinners did. And even when you saw this happening, that they repented and turned around, you still refused to believe him and repent of your sins. The religious believers, the religious leaders didn't believe in the message of John. And that's what this whole parable was supposed to bring to mind for them. Jesus was challenging those religious leaders, and through his word, he's challenging us today. Because in these two sons, we see two different kinds of responses to God's work represented. The second son, the one who everyone agreed in the end, was not the obedient son was really the, represent, well, the one that represented these religious leaders. He represented people who say yes really easily to God because they think they already know what it is that God wants them to do. But they don't actually follow through on obeying him, on obeying his will. Those religious leaders saw themselves as living very obedient lives to God. They obeyed his laws. They were busy at the temple. They oversaw the temple activities. They say an easy yes to their father. But they don't really go about fulfilling his request. They don't even really listen to his request. Will you go and do today your work in the vineyard? They couldn't see the kingdom of God at work in John's ministry. They couldn't see the kingdom of God at work in Jesus' ministry. Remember, their very first question that got all this started is, what right do you have to teach and to heal and to tell us how we're supposed to conduct our temple activities? They challenged his authority because they weren't open to seeing what God was doing right in front of them. Jesus said that. Even when you saw sinners repent and their lives were changed, you're still not open to seeing God's work happening right in front of you. I think it's very interesting that in these two sons, the first son said no quickly and is represented by the tax collectors. He represents the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners who say no to God, but when they think about it, the scripture tells us in this story, Jesus intentionally said they changed their mind. Something changed in them, and they repented and turned around. The second son just says yes, 
But it doesn't say the second son changed his mind. He just didn't do it. There's, it shows there's this lack of engagement in what God, the father in this story, is actually asking of them in the moment. You see, the vineyard, again, is a perfect metaphor for what it means to be in the kingdom of God. A vineyard is a place where new life is always blooming. There's new growth. There's pruning that happens. It moves the thing in a different direction than it was going before. There's new things being planted in a kingdom. The vineyard owner is always up to something in the kingdom. And if the kingdom isn't producing new life, good fruit, well, think about what we looked at last week. One example in Isaiah chapter 5, the, the vineyard just dies. And in John 15, when Jesus teaches, some branches wither because they're just, they don't stay in touch with the true source of life of Jesus. And here in this story where Jesus tells a story to respond to some very specific people with some very specific issues... Again, the vineyard is used, and we have to remember that a vineyard is a place where new life, new direction is happening. God comes and wants to bring new things. The character of God is unchanging. His word doesn't change. But throughout his history with humanity, he has related generation after generation and worked in the world in new and refreshing ways with his people. And I think Jesus' challenge to the religious leaders of the day and to us, those that the world would look at and say the religious people of, of our day, is this. A lesson about living in God's kingdom is this. Are you looking for where God is leading you to do something new next? Are you watching with expectation that he is doing something new? It was hard for the religious leaders in Jesus' day to see that something new might be coming. There had been 400 years since anyone had heard from God. In your life, are you listening? Are you watching? Are you asking God to reveal to you what it is he wants you to do today in his vineyard? Where's he leading you? What's next? Where's the new life? That's what it means to be a part of the vineyard. God's kingdom is always moving. It's always advancing. It's always turning a new page. And so we ask ourselves, are we like the first son who will say no, but later think, I, I need to change direction. I need to repent maybe of sin in my life. Maybe of sinful behavior, or sinful attitudes. Maybe it's to repent of, of allowing myself to just kind of stagnate and not expect that God is going to call me to do something next or do something new. Repent to change the directions of being sure that I know what God's about and be more open to letting him tell you what it is he wants to do in you next. That's the son that was obedient in the parable. And for us, as we continue to learn all the time about what it means to live as God's people in God's kingdom here on earth, the lesson we can take away from this parable today is that there's always new life 
And God always calls us, as this father called his son, to say, are you going to go and do your work today? What I'm asking you today now in this kingdom to go and to do. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we want to submit our lives to you. We don't want to challenge your authority to do unexpected work in our lives. We ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to where you're leading us. We know you're a faithful God and we can rely on who you are and what you've laid out for us in your word. And we know by your spirit that you're always drawing us into fuller and deeper life with you. New fruit to be produced in our lives. New work for us to do in your kingdom. Help us not to be content with where you've brought us so far. But to look for where you're leading us next. And to be willing, if you need to change our minds, that we will not challenge your authority in our lives to do so. But that you'll fo we'll follow you wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray.